Earlier on this week, I wrote an article about how sad I was to see the demise of Douglas and Gordon, at least in its previous form, the form that I remembered it in. And it just reminded me of some very important things about estate agency, but sort of about any business, really. One of the things I railed against in the piece was the sad fact that the estate agency industry has become the reserve of people who want people who want to make money profit over service and in a business that involves servicing human beings and particularly servicing their biggest asset i'm not sure that doing a running a business purely for profit is really the ideal way well when it's one only for profit and it just reminded me that douglas and gordon when it existed was a business that wasn't run for cold hard profit but it also reminded me how much one can learn from people who don't run their businesses like that and I've been very lucky in my career to have some very good mentors over the years. In the late 70s and 80s, Andrew Langton from Aylesford's, who's still around, was fantastic as someone who was running a boutique business, taught me a lot about attention to detail, etc. Then after that, Rebecca Reed, who ran a company called Reed Cunningham, which I worked for, who was the ultimate estate agent because it was all about servicing her client for her. And then I was lucky enough in the 90s to come across um, Michael Hodgson and Ivor Dickinson, who had the, well, they had the D&G philosophy between them, particularly Ivor, who sadly died a couple of years ago, uh, tragically, um, and is a great loss, I think, to the industry in general. But learning from those two about how you can be different but still retain old school values. Anybody who knows Michael and Ivor will know that one of them is different and the other is old school. <laughs> And to somehow get a combination of that, I'd slightly like to think that's where I ended up as being slightly different, but still retaining old school values. And I think I was very lucky. And I really hope that some of the people who I worked with when I was running an office for Douglas and Gordon and people who worked with me, people who are now running their own business, like um, Nick Piacevic and Patrick Alvarado and Nicholas Van Patrick, Eileen's over in Ireland, um, you know, Nicky Ridley. Zandra Bonser. There were some fantastic people I used to work with. And actually, some of the other people who worked for DNG, Angus Fanshawe, fantastic um, value, are very big in the leasehold and franchisement world these days. A lot of those people, I would like to think, inherited exactly the same mentality, this service over profit mentality, and are out there now imparting that to others. Sadly, I think part of the reason that that mentality has been overridden to some extent is that the the sort of go-to business for hate back in the 90s was obviously Foxton's and I mentioned in my piece I had a great relationship with Pete Rollings who ran the South Ken office for Foxton's when I was running the Chelsea office for D&G we were very much competing and whenever I used to see Peter he'd been up at five o'clock driving into London getting home at nine o'clock and and I wasn't if I can politely put it like that <laughs> and it used to really wind him up but He's had some justified rewards from that. I'd like to think I haven't done too badly myself, but nothing in the same league as Peter. And I hope he's enjoying his rewards. I still see him. He's a, an investor and a non-exec at Viewber, so I do hope so. But the majority of the people that he took on, and not the majority, an awful lot of the people that he took on and mentored and got into Foxton's are now running businesses elsewhere. And I do think that that mentality of 
perhaps not necessarily taking into the needs, taking into account the needs of staff. Staff are, and this is obviously not a generalisation, but the rule of profit and burnout, certainly people at Foxton's in the 90s had a habit of burning out. They were, you know, they were pushed pretty hard. Whereas where I was, for instance, in Chelsea at DNG, we had teams that stuck together for many, many years, produced successful figures, not in the same ballpark as someone like Foxton's, but a really, I think, happy, caring atmosphere. And I just think that the number of ex-Foxton's people now running other businesses is sadly much higher than the number of ex-DNG people running their own offices. So there's a lot more of that mentality out there. And I think that I get very, very worried that the same mentality that is currently prevalent in politics is infecting a state agency. You know, there are people out there who want different methodologies for selling their properties or letting their properties. Lettings has changed a bit more. It's, you know, it's more of a short-term transaction. So online activity is greater in the letting sector than it is in the sales sector. But you've only got to look at the opprobrium that's been hurled at Purple Bricks over the years to understand quite how polarised the industry is. Now, whether that's fear or whether that is schadenfreude, as the business has been struggling a little bit over the last couple of years, I don't know. But clearly, to have tens of thousands of people using a service like that, they're using that because that's the way they'd like to do their business. And lots of people sit around in the trade press blaming Purple Bricks for low fees, lack of standards and everything else, which I just don't buy at all. There are lots of people out there who want to be surprised and pay for good service, but it's up to the industry to provide it and to, and I, I'm not sure that's exactly the case. But the point I'm making is that there are an awful lot of people who are quite happy to sit around shouting at, for, on the sidelines, shouting at purple bricks and generally shouting at people who are trying to do things differently. And, you know, I've got so bored over the years of reading the same people with the same negative comments under some of the trade press articles. And, you know, there has to be a way that combines all of these things, the human touch, better tech, etc., etc. And I just don't believe that the equivalent of populist politicians you know, estate agents who are convinced that what they're doing is right and want to shout about it and, and not necessarily shouting that they're right about what they do, but shouting other people who they think have got things wrong. I just, you know, the world is chasing column inches these days and, and shouting, look at me. And, you know, I feel blessed to have worked in a golden period in estate agency when really the hard profit crew were not to the fore. And there was a much more, I mean, I'll give you an example, you know, in, back in the 90s, 80s and 90s, if you had someone looking for a property and you, you didn't have it on your own books or you couldn't persuade them to buy something that was on your own books, you would ring your colleagues in other offices and ask them what they had. And 99 times out of 100, the people in that other office would tell you what they had. And you'd be able to show your own buyer around those properties. And if they bought the property you share the commission with the other agent. The idea of that happening now is a complete joke. The idea that you would be receiving a call from someone else in the industry and offering them your instructions would no more happen than me flying to the moon. 
And I think that's probably a very strong marker of how things have changed. People over the years have tried to introduce what we would call a multiple equivalent of the American multiple listing system. Obviously, the problem we have is that with fees between one and two percent, it's not the same as having fees between three and six percent where you can afford to share those fees. But the fact that that doesn't happen anymore at all must tell you something about the type of people that work in the industry. And I'm not seeking here to blame the portals. A lot of people say that agents have become lazy and that they're not the way they used to be because they're just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring or an email to drop in the inbox. There's certainly an element of that. But I think in general terms, the problem is more that that entire generation has now grown up. So if you think about the 80s and 90s, that generation of of young people who were going through companies like Foxton's, and there was some other chard, there was some pretty sort of, it's certainly, I'm only talking about London, I'm sure anyone listening to this will have their stories of people who've done the same thing in uh, the area they live in. But certainly in London terms, that generation has now grown up. And they're the ones, so the ones who got imbued with the rolling spirit. And I'm not blaming this on Peter at all. It's, it was John Hunt who started up Foxton's. Peter was extremely good at being his aide de camp and getting things going. And he was a very, very good CEO, as he's proved. But the fact of the matter is, it is those people who are now running the industry. And I'm not necessarily sure I can see a way back. If you ask people what they think is going to happen to the estate agency industry, they think that there will be some mass market businesses and some boutique businesses and no one really in the middle. And I, again, I'm not sure I buy that. My old business, Douglas and Gordon, was very much an in the middle business. We weren't a huge operation, you know, 18 to 20 offices. It wasn't a huge operation. So I suppose the net effect of all of this is that you do have as someone who perhaps is in the estate agency game, but this applies to any sort of business, really. You always have a choice as to whether what you're doing is for making money or having a better balance of life. And I think that's another thing that's changed. Certainly since the beginning of the pandemic um, is that people have perhaps discovered that a balance of life or a work-life balance that's more perhaps in favour of life than work has its advantages. And I've got to be honest, I think I always had that balance very well when I was working. The aforementioned Peter Rollings always used to think I took too many holidays, so did Ivor and Michael, but that was another story entirely. To me, it gave me a good balance and it enabled me to carry on doing what I did at the right pitch for a very long time. I'll tell you the other thing that I was reminded about when I was thinking about Douglas and Gordon was the fact that the people I worked with recognised what I was good at and what I wasn't. And they were very happy to try and compensate for those weaknesses and encourage the bits that were good. And I think from my own point of view, I was a broad brush kind of guy. I always used to say that. And I still glaze over when subjected to enormous amounts of detail or indeed spreadsheets and all that sort of thing. And I think that as part of what I hope happens from now on in is that people will look at And this is whatever model they choose to go down in terms of who they work for, whether they work for a fully online agent, whether they work for a a big brand that has looks after people on their own franchise model, whether they go and work for a good independent agency or whether they go and work for a big corporate. I just hope that these businesses will continue to recognise the need to give people a work life balance because I remember back in the 80s and 90s, there was a feeling that people who were certainly working for the aforementioned Foxtons would perhaps work there for two or three years and would then burn out. You'd always find there'd be a few people that would stay on. And we, 
you know, they were the ones that stayed on to be successful, but they were the ones that sort of got themselves out of that morass on the ground floor. They worked bloody hard, don't get me wrong, but I think that the those people who were working in those days and were working for two or three years, I'm not sure they were the best people to keep in the businesses. Certainly at DNG, we had a much longer lifespan for people and we used to try and keep them. And we recognised that it was a very useful way of getting experts, keeping people happy. I mean, the funny thing was that when I left the office at Douglas and Gordon in Chelsea, the guy that took over in that office was also an Ed and his surname began with M and people used to come into the office years later and say, is Ed still here? And they'd, the people would say yes, thinking it was talking about the other Ed and show him into the office. And they go, well, that's not the Ed I'm thinking about. <laughs> and it just, certainly where I was for a very long time, I got very, very well known in the, in the local area and I, I became part of the local sort of fabric, really. And I think that's a very overlooked. You can either stay in one place and make a decent amount of money very quickly and then just move on, or you can gain an enormous amount of satisfaction, I think, from staying in that area, really inveiling yourself into the local community and becoming well known. Having said all that, of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being either or. It's This, this is just purely a personal feeling. And I very much hope that the estate agency industry is not going to be forced down the road of populist, polarised opinions based on what people think are right. There's an enormous change occurring in the industry. Partly that'll be driven, I think, by the fact that a lot of buyers who are now coming through are part of the click to buy generation and will want things a little bit differently. And I think the people that service those buyers are becoming younger or the generation that they are now part of started off again as part of that click to buy. So we'll understand how these people want to be serviced for want of a better expression. So there's room for all sorts of people in the big tent, but I think that, well, the big tent that is estate agency, but certainly from my point of view, I'm very sad that a business like Douglas and Gordon has gone in the way, or certainly is no longer the way it was, and just to remind people that they do have a choice. If you quite like property and you're working for a business and you find it far too high pressure, you don't have to be working in a high pressure environment. And that doesn't mean you have to be a boring journeyman. You can be a good estate agent, but choose um, your work-life balance. Don't roll your eyes and say, why aren't you all working in the office? There's room for everybody. So thank you for listening. If you're listening to this and you used to work for DNG with me, I'm sure you'll agree it's a sad time but a very interesting time for the industry in general and for the first time perhaps in two or three years. We don't appear to have any black swan events on the horizon. Liz Truss-induced chaos from last year seems to be passed. Hopefully COVID is gone and we can enjoy a period of relative stability. Thanks for listening.